Robert Frost's most famous poem that probably all of you all are familiar with, The Road Not Taken, closes with this well-known stanza. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. There are many Bible verses that remind us of the importance of the roads that we choose and we travel. Jeremiah 6:16 is an example. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. God has seemed to design time and seasons in such a way that as we reach December 31st, it it sort of stands before us like a a fork in the road. It it marks a time. It's a a turning of the page from one year to another. And, And as we come up to this particular point, we we stop and it tends to cause us to do two things. One is we reflect back. We look back over 2012. The door seems to quickly close. It seems to close as quickly as it seemed to open. And we, we look back and we, we assess what happened in 2012. We think about the things that have taken place and the door closes on it and then we turn and we take a deep breath and we move towards a new year. And most of the times when you turn, you're, you're recalibrating in some way. You're thinking about the things that may be, that need to be left behind, things that were built in 2012 that need to continue to be built upon. And so we take some time this morning to, to consider and maybe reconsider, for you to reconsider the road that you've been traveling on. And maybe it's time to choose a different road. It may be that you need to take a different road physically or financially, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. I think that's what the the writer of Ecclesiastes was getting at in the chapter 3 that I read for the prayer. There's a time for everything. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot. And when you get to these forks in the road, it seems like, hey, this is a new year and this is a time to to plant this new idea, this little sapling that I pray over the course of the next year and maybe my lifetime will grow into a great oak tree. And maybe there's some things that have grown in the garden of your own heart that you would say, you know what, it's time to uproot that. Maybe you just haven't noticed it until just now or maybe it's something that continues to expand and and you've, you've known that it's been there all along, but now you're saying it's time to, to uproot. There's a time to tear down. There's a time to build. And so there are times that we stop and, and ask what needs to be uprooted, what needs to be torn down, what needs to be built or, or planted. And so this morning we're doing something that we haven't done before. Um, we're, we're collectively taking time to stop and consider what might need to be planted or uprooted in our lives. And just to write a few things down, uh, some bullet points, a name, a verse, 
a word, whatever the Lord would put on your heart, and put them in this jar, and then we'll keep those in the office. And then as we get together every week as staff, as we get together uh, every month as elders and deacons, we'll, we'll never see what's written on your card. That's just a commitment that you're making between you and the Lord. But we'll just look at those and pray for the things that you have written down and pray over those for the next year ahead. And as I said, if we can find you and you want those back, we'll give them back to you at the end of next year. So in way of sort of preparation for that, I thought that I would just briefly skip through several forks in the road in the Bible to help us to appreciate how important the choices that lay before us, the, the, the um, significance of what may seem like a small choice, but depending on the road you take, it makes a, a big difference as your life, as you travel down your life's road. And so let me just bring a few of those to mind, and perhaps as we're going through those, uh, something will be sparked in your own mind that you'd want to jot down on your card. Uh, The forks in the road in the Bible begin at the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 3. You all know this fork. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good and for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, so Eve, and here's the fork in the road. I mean, haven't you been in some place in your life, you, you can see back now and you go, oh, man, I wish I had made a different choice Right at that point. And so here we have all this tension at this very moment. Uh, uh, the serpent has come and said, hey, Eve, let's get on a different road. And here she has a real choice before her. So, Eve, which, which way will she travel? She took the fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, and so they made coverings for themselves. What a, what a fork in the road. It didn't just thrust them on a different road, did it? It thrust all of humanity down a different path. See, the choices that you may make, as simple as they may seem, you may be carrying an entire family down the same path, With you. And so now all of mankind has gone into hiding, hiding from each other and hiding from the Lord. Genesis chapter 4 Cain brought fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. And the Lord came to Cain, and he said, Why are you angry? If you do what is right, you will, not, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, and listen to what the Lord says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to devour you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain 
He sees a fork in the road. It's a, a moment that Cain has to decide. He knows what to do. He's, he's been given very clear instructions. He can find favor with the Lord, or he can be controlled and ruled by his emotional anger, his emotional state. See, that's a fork in the road many of us have. We, we know what the right thing to do is. It's, some choices aren't clear, but many of life's choices are clear. It's just that we have this emotional tension. It might be anger. It might be bitterness. It might be greed. It could be a hundred different emotions. And we have to choose, are we going to follow God's word or are we going to follow after our emotions? So Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. What what sin might be crouching at your door? What what's trying to devour you? What is devouring you? And it's time to uproot. It's time to say, I've got to get this out of the soil of my heart. It's time to tear this out. Genesis chapter twelve, the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, leave your country. Leave your people. Leave your father and everything you know. And go to a land that I will show you. And this is the promise that I make, Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing to all the people on the earth. So Abraham sees a fork in the road. Usually when you read the text, you sort of just read right through it. But so Abraham, what's he going to do? So Abraham, pause. What's Abraham going to do? He's been given these clear instructions. He's been given these great promises. And then God sort of leaves it at Abraham's feet and says, Okay, Abraham, you, now you know, you know the right way to go. So Abraham, you've got to choose. What are you going to do? So Abraham, he left. He did what the Lord told him to do. What a great, great step. He had to leave everything that he knew, all of his habits, his father's religion, all, all of his customs, everything that he was familiar with, everything that had become common to him. It was time for whatever reason to put all that aside and to say, I've got to find this new way. And the Lord is not, he's going to say, I'm going to be there for you. But Abraham, what you need to do is you just need to get on the path. I, I can't show you the land right now. I'm just saying, you just get on the path. And so Abraham, and what a great moment, he, he left. He did what the Lord said. And so for you, what do you need to leave? What has the Lord said that you just haven't responded to? And now is the time to say, Lord, I hear and I will, I will do what you command. When I think of this passage in Genesis chapter 12, I always put it together with this parallel, really a parallel passage from 1 Kings. I don't think you probably would naturally put it together, but I think you'll see Abraham was given these tremendous promises and, and he went forward with this promise that God had made him. And just Several hundred years later, in 1 Kings, another man has a similar decision to make, and his name is Jeroboam. 
Solomon had sinned, and in the course of his sin, Israel was split into two, north and south. And God was going to hand the northern part of the territory, the, the more prosperous part of the territory, the bigger number part of the territory, to this man, Jeroboam. And this is what he says to Jeroboam. Jeroboam, I will take you. And you will rule over all that your heart desires. What a promise. Jeroboam, I'm going to take you and you're going to rule over whatever your heart desires. And you will be king over Israel if you do whatever I command. If you walk in my ways and you do what is right in my eyes as David my servant did, I will be with you. What a great promise. I will be with you. Same with Abraham. I will build for you a dynasty as enduring as the one that I built for David. Now, honestly, how many of you here before now have even heard of Jeroboam? I mean, a few of you have, but it's not, it's not a name that you remember. How many have heard of David? <laughs> but you see, these great promises, this man that most of us have never really heard about, Jeroboam, you're, Jeroboam, you're going to have a dynasty as enduring as King David's. Imagine what could have happened. And he lays it out before Jeroboam. And Jeroboam, because he's emotionally immature, because he's ruled by fears and not by faith, he decides to not go with the Lord's promises. And maybe you're ruled by fears rather than faith. Perhaps you're holding on to something that you can see rather than a promise that you can't see. This is the year to choose a different path. Deuteronomy chapter 30, which is the passage that we read for our text this morning probably the most famous fork in the road speech is given by Moses this day I call heaven and earth so Moses is there he's an old man he's he's seen God in some way face to face and now he's given these final instructions to his people He's just about ready to go off the scene. His, his chapter is ending. It's like a, a year is closing and a door is opening up and Joshua is going to be the leader and they're quickly going to go into the promised land. It's like just moving into a new millennium. And Moses gives this command. I, I call heaven and earth as witness against you. I'm setting before you life and death. Choose life. That's what I want you to hear today. Choose life. It's set right before you. And some of you know exactly what it is. Just choose life. Don't, don't choose death. And with that speech still ringing in their ears, they cross the Jordan. They get into the promised land. They're going to fight their very first battle, the battle of Jericho. And Joshua, now the leader, he's talking to his soldiers. And he says to his soldiers... Now, now this first battle, this battle of Jericho, we're always going to be, we're always going to use it as a reminder. It's going to be like a pile of stones when it's done that we're going to remember that all of the, the battles, this one and all the battles that we have in our life ahead, they're all going to be fought really by the Lord. And so when we go into Jericho and we win this great battle, there's going to be all kinds of plunder. There's going to be all kinds of temptation, robes, gold, silver, and in the future, you'll be able to have that. But for this first battle, all of it belongs to the Lord. Don't take anything from the city. 
Well, Moses' speech is ringing in this man's ears. Joshua's instruction is ringing in this man's ears. But one soldier named Achan chose a different road. He saw the silver and gold, a robe. He took it, and he thought he could hide it, so he buried it in his home. He buried his sin in his home. Joshua found out, confronted Achan, and this is is the text that we have. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord. I took 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, took the silver, took the gold, took Achan's sons, took Achan's daughters, his cattle, donkeys, sheep, his tent, and everything he had, And all the people stoned Achan and burned everything else. If you're a a husband or a father, if you bury your sin, if you try to hide your sin inside your house, somebody else is going to pay for that. See, this is a fork in the road for some men here. See, you don't think anyone knows. You're trying to hide it. You're trying to bury it. And it's buried inside your own house in some way. And it'll be found out whether it's on this generation or the next. And see, husbands and fathers, you're laying down pavement that your children are going to walk on. So which road that you need to be on in your life? Where is it that God is saying, hey, it's time to tear something down. It's time to build something new. And maybe anyone here, male or female, you see that you're riding on pavement that somebody else paved. You come from a dysfunctional home in some way, and you're still traveling on this pavement that really somebody else paved. I understand that. I, I can feel that pain. But maybe this is the day like God coming to Abraham and saying, hey, for you, you're going to be the generational breaker. You're going to be the person who says, I'm not going to continue to pave this same pavement for me or my family. I'm going to start going a different road, and it's going to be harder for you than it will be for your children. Because you've got to be the person who says, I'm going to steer off this road. It may feel like everything in your soul because I'm leaving all of the old habits of my mother or my father or my family. I'm leaving years and years and generations of alcoholism or abuse or whatever it may be. But you're going to be the one and it's going to take a lot of effort by you. But in a hundred years, your grandchildren will know somebody in our past got on a different road. And it may be that this is the fork in the road for you. God saying, hey, you be the one. You get on a different road. Not just for yourself, but for generations to flow from you. Two examples that I'll close with from the New Testament. First, and probably the most obvious example of this fork in the road is Luke 18 and the rich young ruler. 
You remember the rich young ruler comes and finds Jesus and they have this discussion and Jesus looks at the rich young ruler and says, you know what, you just lack one thing. Well, I wish Jesus would look at me and say that. Because I can see many things that I lack. I don't need his divine intervention to see that I've got more than one thing. But this man, it was just one thing. What if you were just one step away? Wouldn't you want to take that step? I mean, I'm a thousand steps away. But just, hey, you're just one step away. Just If you could just go and sell your treasure here on earth, you will have treasure in heaven. What a fork in the road. When the rich young ruler heard this one thing, he went away sad because he was a man of great wealth. See, the the man chose something temporary over something eternal. That's a choice that almost all of us face every day, do we not? There's a temporary pleasure out there or there's an eternal treasure. A temporary pleasure or an eternal treasure. Which which way which way have you chosen in 2012 which which part of your life you need to tear down and rebuild is there a possession is there a person is there a passion that rules your life is there something that you have a hold of that really it's got a hold of you Finally, Peter, and I want to use Peter and close Peter, close with Peter because he always gets a bad rap for doing bad things. And so I want to give Peter some props today from the pulpit. Peter, props from the pulpit. That's pretty good. I didn't even write that one down. Um, Acts chapter 2, he makes this critical choice, and you may have read it many times. It's very easy to read right by, but I think it's one of the most dramatic moments in the New Testament, especially in Acts Chapter 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came down from heaven and filled the whole house where they, these are the disciples, were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled by the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Yet some standing nearby made fun of the disciples, saying they must be drunk with wine. So you know the story. The Holy Spirit's come. This is the reversal of the Tower of Babylon. Now the languages are going out, and everyone's hearing in their own language the gospel. But there's some people standing by and say, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And I think it would have been strange. And they just assume, man, these guys started drinking early. And they're making fun directly at the 11 disciples. Now, what are the disciples going to do? See, they had been made fun of and threatened just a couple of days before and didn't do too well in the Garden of Gethsemane. But here's a new chance. Here's a a new door that's opening. What are they going to do in the face of these people mocking them? And here is the verse that you could read most just quickly by, and I think it's the most powerful verse here probably in this in this text because it it begins to to open up a door for every other path verse 11 chapter 2 then peter stood up with the 11 what a great verse so you could just read right by it but man what a dramatic moment 
Here's the moment. Here's the fork in the road. What are P- What's Peter going to do? He's failed so miserably at these other forks, but here he's given a chance, and people are directly looking at him and making fun of him. And what did Peter do? Did he cower? Did he run away? Did he get afraid? No, he stood up. He stood up with 11 other men. And maybe it's time for you to stand up. There's some place that God is saying, it's just time, stand up. And maybe you just don't, you just feel like I need the courage to stand up. If I had 10 other men with me, 11 other men that I'd stand up, maybe you just need to write that. I need, I need other people to stand up beside me. I mean, it's so much easier to stand up with 11 other guys, is it not, than by yourself? And maybe that's the thing you just need prayer for. I need, I need people who are standing and standing with me. Imagine just the, 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 the movie scene that you would write. All the disciples sitting down and just together, they come off the bench as one. Imagine the drum roll that you'd have. Here come the 11. And it makes all the difference. It's the reason we're sitting right here. Do you realize that? At that moment, 2,000 years ago, 11 men stood up. And started the New Testament church. We're standing up today for sons and daughters from 2,000 years from now who we pray will fill up this building, are we not? Maybe it's time for you in some area of your life to, to stand up. Maybe you need people to stand with you.